That's the millennium. He must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Again, we, we cannot imagine a world without death. Even look, look outside and you see all those trees with, with leaves and, and they look dead. They really do. <clears throat> the ground looks dead. But you know, springtime comes, all that's going to be revived. And by the way, that's one of the significance of the tree of life blooming 12 months a year. There's no death, there's no fall, there's no winter. So, um, one of the songs I was, kind of, I was playing around with as people were coming in was called What a Gathering. What a Gathering in the Summer Land of Love. And I never really got what that was all about. But I realize now from studying this, that it is going to work. it's going to be constant summertime in heaven. Don't be comfortable, don't worry. Some of you don't, may not like the heat, so I can be like that. All right? um, back to well, anyway. Let's read a couple more verses. Um, 27. For he, hath, for he hath put all things under his feet. That is, God the Father hath put all things under Christ's feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. So there's a, there's a point there. It's a maybe minor point. But the fact is that Jesus Christ will always be in submission to the Father, even in eternity. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, that is, unto Jesus, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, that is, the Father, that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Now, in the New Testament, when you see God, the word God, it, you, know, you can tell by the context, but normally it's referring to God the Father. Normally. Now, there's exceptions to that. Of course, we know that Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. So there's an equality there, but there is a le different levels of authority. The Father is over all things, and then the Son, and then the Father and the Son are both over the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. So those are just some great, great reminders there. Let's go back to Revelation 22. We've got a few things to uh, finish up here. All right. Verse six. And he said unto me, "Notice this is not red. This is black. So this is the, an angel." He said unto me, "These sayings are faithful and true." And the Lord God, the holy prophet, sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Now the word shortly there means quickly or immediately. It right? doesn't necessarily mean soon because almost 2,000 years has gone by since these promises were given and Jesus still hasn't come. But just remember that the Bible says one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So Jesus has been gone about two days as God looks at things. So it hasn't been that long. All right, next, next uh, thing. Christ's coming is imminent. 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 Okay. Behold, I come quickly, Jesus says. And again, the word quickly is the idea of swiftly or suddenly. 1 Corinthians 15.52 says he will come in the rapture in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So that's what quickly means there. In the twinkling of an eye, in a moment. And that word moment 
in the Greek is atomos, where we get our English word atom, which is the smallest particle. Here it refers to the smallest amount of time. All right, let's see what else. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And the word keep is the idea of guard, obey, observe what is written in the book of Revelation. We can't keep it if we don't know it. So it's important to study this book. I mean, it's, it's telling us what's going to the last things that are going to happen um, on this earth. And then there is a perspective in verse 8. Remember, and I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. I mean, a natural response. John is just so overwhelmed. So he bows down before the angel. Then saith he to me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the saying of this book. Worship God. I know some people, I can mention their names, and nobody here is not going to do that, but they worship angels. They, they, have, they really don't talk about God, but they talk about angels all the time. And they have things like, there's some people that used to, I know, they had protected by angels and, and all this kind of stuff. Angel, angel, angel. And, but nothing about God. Right? That's, that's, that's warped. That's, that's out of proportion. That's not how it's supposed to be. In fact, Colossians chapter 2 talks about this worship of angels. It's not, it's not right. It's not a good thing. Yes, there are angels. And it's possible, I believe, there's a couple passages of Scripture that tell us that we do have guardian angels, all right? And so, um, kind of a tradition with Jan and me and our family is we watch It's a Wonderful Life every year with Jimmy Stewart and all that. And you know, you saw it, you've seen it, right? And we, you know, Clarence is not our guardian angel, all right? If you've seen that. I love Jimmy Stewart. Well, you look like the kind of angel I get. <laughs> but anyway, but though, that's not, and again, those things are part of the problem, you know, uh, angels are can't be described. They, they're, they're not like Michael Landon, or especially not like Oprah Winfrey or oh, yeah. oh brother. Anyway, <laughs> angels are real and they're awesome and they're bright and they're brilliant and they're powerful and they're intelligent. But this angel says, "Look, no, no, don't worship me. Don't worship God. Worship God." And so that's that's what we need to be reminded of as well. And then verse um, 10, here's another great thing. I love this, especially when you compare it to the book of the way the book of Daniel ends, where Daniel says to God, basically, I need more information. And God says to Daniel, shut up, seal. I mean, he didn't tell Daniel to shut up. He said, shut up the book and seal it to the time of the end. And it's so interesting and fascinating to read of over the years, that the book of Daniel was a, was a closed book. It's only been the last hundred years or so that Daniel has been open. Why? Because we're in the time of the end. But the, the, the angel says to, to John, seal not. Don't shut this book. Don't seal this book. Have this be an open book. For the time is at hand. And the word, that phrase, at hand, means imminent, means it could happen anytime. The event that triggers and opens these things, the rapture, when Christ comes to take us to be with himself, 
That is the next event. That is the trigger, if you will, that will begin to unveil all these things in the book of Revelation. And so that could be today. Time is at hand. All right, verse 11 is, a, is both a, a tragic verse and a triumphant verse. I'll read it and then explain. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Now, you can see, obviously, those are extreme opposites. Unjust is the opposite of righteous. Filthy is the opposite of holy. And that, that's a, what, what a picture, what a contrast. Well, what is that all about? Well, here's a great comment I read from the notes from the King James Study Bible. And here's what the, the, the committee came up with. Verse 11, right here, is not a command, but rather a statement of fact and a warning. Character tends to become fixed and unchangeable, determined by a lifetime of habitual action. The arrival of the end will prevent any change of destiny. When Christ returns, the deliberate choice of each person will have fixed his eternal fate. So here's a good verse to show people who think that there's a second chance after death or after the Lord comes. Right, um, unjust and filthy refers to the unsaved. And the fact that when they die or when the Lord comes, there's no chance to change themselves or their destiny. There was a, one of those, back in the day, there was, a, there was a set of films that were really popular. Um, it was The Thief of the Night. Um, there was, I forget what the other ones were. Um, but then one of them, at the end, it shows people in the tribulation, they're left behind because, because they didn't believe in Christ. They had the gospel. They had the opportunity. They rejected the Lord. And so this had it right because at the end of the tribulation, all these things are happening. Jesus is coming, but there's no opportunity to change for those who rejected Christ. And a song that plays at the end, I forget all, most of the song, except for these words. There is no time in eternity to change your destiny. Right? And that's what this verse is talking about. Now, obviously, we don't want, we who are believers, we don't want to. We don't want to change our destiny. And praise God we will be confirmed forever, for eternity, in righteousness and holiness. Praise God for that. All right, verse um, 12 to 16, Christ's coming involves a reckoning. There's a reckoning coming. Verse 12, and behold, I come quickly. Again, there's that word suddenly, and my reward is with me. So the Bible indicates that the judgment seat of Christ will take place in the air. Because his reward is with him, and somehow he's gonna, he'll bring the throne with him, and the judgment seat, the bema seat, and we'll, he'll, be sit, he'll sit behind that, and we will all pass by, and we will receive our reward for what we've done for the Lord since we were saved. My reward is with me to give every man 
according as his, as his work shall be. And Jesus gave some parables to illustrate that. And one of them was the parable of the pounds, money. And it mentions three servants. And um, he gave each of them a pound. And he said, occupy till I come. In other words, serve, trade, make this grow. And the first came and said, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, have authority over ten cities. The second one came along and said, Five pound hath gained five pounds. Again, the Lord says, Well done. Have authority over five cities. And the third one came and said, Here's your pound, I hid it, I was afraid. And of course, God, Jesus took that away. And so that's the idea here. According as his work shall be. We're not going to be rewarded by what somebody else did. So everybody's going to give an account for himself or herself. All right, let's look at verse 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So Jesus Christ is eternal. He's before, he's the beginning, he's the end. Um, he is the creator, the originator of all things. He is the fulfiller of all things. Um, he is over all things. That This is a verse of not only eternity, but, but of absolute authority. So basically, the Lord is reminding John, hey, you can trust me, and you can trust my word, because I'm over all things. All right? Now, and again, Hebrews 13.8 reminds us, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. All right, then here's another promise. Blessed are they that do his commandments, and will keep his word, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Obviously, every saved person is going to be in the city, but the Lord is saying, the more obedient you are, the more blessing you'll have in heaven. We, and I think we established in chapter 20 that there's all, there, there are degrees of punishment in the lake of fire. Not everybody is going to have the same punishment. And Jesus himself talked about that on earth, where he said... Those who knew the Lord's will and didn't do it will be beaten with many stripes. Those who did not know the Lord's will and committed things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. So there's going to be degrees of punishment in hell. It's going to be terrible for everybody there, but in proportion, because God is a just God. Same in heaven. There will be differences of reward and differences of blessing and differences of authority. Again, even in the kingdom, all right, in the millennium, and so, even our enjoyment, somehow, our faithfulness down here will determine our blessedness up there. And we won't be shut out, we'll be locked out, but there will be differences of reward and so on. And then there is a reminder of, of those who, are, who will be locked out. There, there will be those not allowed. Verse 15, for without our dogs, and here it's referring to like wild dogs, scavenging dogs, you know, filthy and ra ranging, and biting and all that. Sorcerers, and that's those involved in witchcraft, occultism, whoremongers, those that are involved in immorality, murderers, pretty obvious there, idolaters, those are people who worship a false god, who have a false religion, false church, whatever. Um, I believe that the majority of people in hell are going to be people from, of churches, people of religion. All right? 
who, who did not believe in Christ, but believed in Allah or Buddha or all these other things. And then whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. That's basically almost word for word in Revelation 21 8, all right, about those who will be in the lake of fire. All right, those who, who love and make lies. Isn't that something? Those who love and make lies. Well, anyway. All right. Well, I, Jesus. Jesus said, this is me, myself. I'm the one. I have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. So, the, one of the main responsibilities of the church is to declare the word of God. Simple. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Isn't this great? This is amazing. Because a root and an offspring are not the same thing. The root is what's in the ground. The root is the source or the origin of the plant. The offspring is what is the what the plant produces. So this is talking about Jesus as both God and man. Because Jesus was there before David. Jesus is David's source. But he's also David's offspring, according to the flesh. We looked at that last Sunday evening, took looking at the genealogies of Matthew 1 and Luke 3 and comparing them a little bit. This is the question. Remember, it's in Matthew 22. It's in other places in the Bible, but... In Matthew chapter 2, remember that they came to Jesus with all these questions. All right, first it was, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar? You know, Jesus said, render to Caesar, thank Caesar, to God, things of God. And then one day, the Sadducees came and said, uh, Master, um, the, you know, the law says if a man dies without children, that his brother is to, is to raise up seed and so on. Well, there were seven brothers, and they married, the first married a wife, and they all died and everything. And so whose wife will whose whose uh, wife will she be in the resurrection? Jesus said, you're, you're just you're way off, you're full of error. And then at the end of all that, Jesus said to them, I have a question for you. Whose son is Christ? Whose son is the Messiah? And they said, David's. Well then David, or Jesus said, Well then how did David call him Lord? When he said, The Lord said unto my Lord. Sit, you know, sit, at, sit at, the, at my right hand until I make the enemies a footstool. Jesus said, if he's David's son, how can he be David's Lord? Well, here's the, here it is right here. As God and eternal, Christ was David's Lord. He's the root. But as man, he's David's son. And as we talked about last Sunday evening, son here means descendant. And so then it says this, I am the root of David, and the bright and morning star. Okay? So Jesus is the one who brings light. He is the one who brings the light of revelation, the light of the word of God. All right, we'll get right there. No, okay, next, verse 17, a final invitation. Now it's interesting here, this is not concerning the coming of Christ, but in light of the coming of Christ. All right, notice, and the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and the Bride, that's the church, say, come. Maybe that's talking about, say, we're saying, come, Lord Jesus. Well, just let's look at the rest of the verse. And let him hear say, come, 
And let him that is a thirst come. So we're not talking about the Lord's return here necessarily. We're talking about one last invitation from the Word of God. And he's saying that the Holy Spirit and the church work together to invite the world to Christ. That's our, that's our responsibility, our ministry. The Holy Spirit works within us and through us to give the gospel. The Spirit and the bride say, come. I wonder if we, are we doing that? Are we really inviting and exhorting people to come? Do we ever? All right. And let him that heareth say come. Now that's a, and that's a tremendous word. The word translated heareth, you know what it, really, what it literally means? To hear, to understand, and to obey. So we say this. It is an exhortation to those who already know the truth to invite others. Right? By the way, that's the way God ordained to be. And to speak even more pleadingly and clearly, let him that is a thirst come. If God, in other words, if, God, if you're thirsty for God, for salvation, first of all, it means the Lord has already worked in your heart. But if you're there, come. Like, don't delay. Come. And whosoever will, and the word will there means desires. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That's, that's the invitation. Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's the invitation. And that's supposed to be given. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of your creature. And along with preaching the gospel is that invitation. Come. Come to the Lord. Come to Christ. All right, that's enough about that. A, a serious warning. 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And, I, and I, I'm saying to you today, that doesn't necessarily refer to the tribulation. Although if they're here today and Christ comes, they will, they will go into the tribulation. But there have been many who've lived and died, who have been guilty of taking away, or adding, rather, adding to the word of God. It doesn't matter who it is. It might be the Pope of Rome. Because, you know, according to the Catholic religion, when he speaks ex cathedra or whatever, he's speaking God's word. And, and they've added a lot of stuff. Think about the Pharisees in, in, in Jesus' day before who added to the word, who added to the law. And think about the Mormons who have added the Book of Mormon. And think about the Hindus and the Buddhists and the, um, you know, the Muslims with their Quran. They've added things that they claim are the word of God. I asked a Mormon guy, and I finally pinned the guy down. Man, the guy was a snake, but... I finally said, listen, I, I've read the Book of Mormon. You, you take verses and, and you take them and you take them apart. There's one verse where they took two verses of, of the Old Testament regard because they want to justify. See, Mormons believe and they still practice polygamy. They believe you could have they listen, they don't only believe, they do not only believe that it's allowable to have more than one wife, they teach it's what you're supposed to do. 
Now, why is it that you have these apartment buildings where you have one guy and a woman in one apartment and a whole bunch of women with a whole bunch of kids in all the other apartments, all right? Because they're all married to the same guy, all right? So anyway, I point out to them. I said, hey, in the Book of Mormon, you have this. You have Abraham took other wives and had other sons, and God, it, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So they took a verse out of Genesis 23, I think, about Abraham taking on the wife, and then with Genesis 15, 6, where it says that the Lord accounted him for righteousness. I said, you guys, you have no right to do that. You're guilty of taking away from and adding to God's word. And the Bible says anybody who does that is going to have the plagues on him. Verse 19, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy... God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. And so verse 19, verse 18, let me just make a comment too. Adding to the word of God, adding to the book, also means adding our own opinions, adding our own traditions, adding our own whatever. And you, I know of churches where the traditions of men are put on the same level or higher than the Word of God. Right? So that's adding to. But then taking away from would be not only like many of the new translations, which I don't use them, they, there's something like, some of them have like six or 8,000 changes and omissions. They take things out. I've seen them, I've seen where they say in the notes, this scripture shouldn't be in the Bible. See, that, that's wrong. That makes them the judge. Anyway, so taking away it means taking things out, but it also means denying or diminishing the message. So you've got many liberals today who are guilty of taking away from God's word by denying the message, by denying the truth. Very, very serious. Oh, my. You know, this is, the, this is a holy... Uh, the last time I looked, you know, my Bible says Holy Bible on the cover. This is holy. This is sacred. This is God's book. You don't tamper with God's book. Right? Or you do it at your own peril. Alright, well, let's see. We're at the end. How about that? Maybe we should have some kind of celebration or something here. Um, I kind of had my mind that when we finish this book, the Lord would come. <laughs> okay, Lord, we're done. We're time to go. <laughs> But here's um, one, another promise, one last promise. So we have a final promise, a final prayer, and a final benediction. Isn't that beautiful? Here's the final promise. He which testifieth these things saith, surely, or surely, I have come quickly. All right? Again, that means suddenly, immediately. And the mind, may I add, without warning, no chance, no, you got, he's not going to, so you never got, you come in a week or 48 hours or 24 hours or one hour, no. No warning, we just need to be ready. Oh my, he's ready. All right, so there's the final promise. I'm sure they come quickly. Here's the final prayer. <coughs> amen. Although amen is, is not read, I'm not sure, I have to be honest with you. I'm not sure if the amen belongs with surely I come quickly, or if John's responding, amen! <laughs> anyway, even so come Lord Jesus. The final prayer in the Bible. Lord, come. Even so come Lord Jesus. 
All right, then the final benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. God's grace. To guide us and keep us and take us through life and help us to be ready. And he comes. He will come. He will return. I just this you know just kind of struck me. I read, read the book of Revelation, I don't know, a hundred times maybe over the years, but I realized, hey, three times in one chapter. Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. I come quickly. Lord, may it be today. Seriously, honestly, may it be today. Um, I trust that we're ready. Looking forward to be with the Lord. You know, a teacher, a children's Sunday school teacher, um, asked her class one day, there was about 12 or so boys and girls, and she said, who wants to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand except one little boy, she said, well, son, don't you want to go to heaven? He goes, yeah, I, I thought you were getting up a, a group today to go. You know? And so, like a lot of youngsters, they want just things they want to do. You know, he's coming. He really is. And, and uh, I think about that. The beautiful sun just came out. And what a reminder. He is the bright and morning star. He's the sun of righteousness. He gives us light. And praise the Lord for that. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We can be in thy word. And just what an amazing chapter. So many things, God. So many promises and so many exhortations and, and so many warnings. And, and just thanks so much. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that you cared for us so much that you gave us all these things in, in this precious book that we hold in our hands. We're thankful for Jesus, our Savior, and all he's done for us and, and follow the fact that he came and I've read recently, God, and you know, and it doesn't really make all the difference in the world, but I've just um, uh, hearing from more and more researchers and scholars and so on who are saying that Jesus Christ most definitely was born on December the 25th. And so um, we rejoice in that, simply the fact that he was born regardless of the day. Thankful that he came, and thankful that he grew up into a man, and thankful that he died on the cross and shed his blood and bore our sin. We were thankful that he rose again and that he ever lives. We thank you for this glorious book of Revelation. Thank you for the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit in going through it. Help us, God, to be rich. In the meantime, Lord, help us to extend that same invitation to come. And we pray that we might see, Lord, God, if Christ tarries and we get into, into 2021 or at the end of 2020, may we see many come to Jesus. And we pray that not only for our, ministry, our church here, but ministries throughout this country, around the world. We pray it for our missionaries. We just pray, dear Lord, that thou would do a great work and we would send a spirit of revival to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you so much for being, being here and your attention. And we're going to sing one more hymn, ah, number 511. And 511, stand please. And we will sing face to face with Christ, my Savior, face to face for me. Let's 
let's just sing the first and the fourth, all right? Verses one and four of Face to Face. Face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face what will it be? Service tonight in Jesus' name.